welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. I'm your host, Shalom Agdarab. The Academy creates transformative space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. To learn more about the Academy, visit academy.upperroom.org. One of the many gifts of the Academy is the two-year offering that I'd like to invite you to consider. The next two-year Academy for Spiritual Formation will begin in January 2023, and it consists of eight weeks of retreat over two years. If you are in need of community, worship, stillness, and wisdom teaching, such as that you'll find on this podcast, I invite you to apply today to journey with other spiritual pilgrims. For more information and to apply, please visit academy.upperroom.org. On this month's episode, He Su Jung, our presenter, was born in Gwangwa-do, Korea. He came to the United States in 1982. His family was in the Confucian Buddhist tradition and at 16 years of age, he became the first converted Christian in his family. He Su Jung holds degrees from Methodist Theological Seminary, Dongguk University Graduate School in Seoul, Pacific School of Religion in Berkeley, Institute of Buddhist Studies in Berkeley, and a Doctor of Philosophy from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. In addition, he has completed the Upper Room's two-year Academy for Spiritual Formation. His passionate leadership has been focused on Korean-American churches and cross-racial appointments in urban, rural, and suburban churches. Helping groups develop their common vision has been a central ingredient in all his vocational experiences. He Su Jung was elected to the United Methodist Episcopacy in 2004 and currently serves as Bishop of the Wisconsin area. Perhaps it is because of He Su's formation and orientation to Confucianism and Buddhism that we experience a refreshing expansion on the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 17 to 19. As we transition from summer to fall, I've seen so many posting on social media from their sojourns, and not just vacations, but places of retreat, mountain hikes, some even of holy pilgrimage to Iona and the Way of St. James or the Camino de Santiago. Have you had an experience like this? Where you set aside time to dislocate from regular rhythms and give yourself over to a new road? the hospitality of strangers, and the provision of God. That happens in the story in Elijah, but it also happens in everyday life. Listen on, dear one, and as you listen, breathe deeply and expand gently. See that cave is uh, Elijah was attended by Yahweh's such a deep care, wide care, such a that amazing presence that had been the food for Eliza. Even though it was such a rugged, such a dry, such a really burn, such a, you know, that, oh, no more chance. Is enough, is enough. Or that kind of uh, that sigh in a deep in Eliza. But 
God never let it be like that. God comes. God comes. You know that. Hallelujah. Right? God is coming. God is coming at you. And no matter where you are, there's a second chance. There's third chance. Another chance. Even love, we say love, but another love. Another love. And in some way, this is a, the assurance, which is a non-backsliding journey. When God got you, when God holds you in his sight, you're not backsliding anymore. That's assurance. That's, that assurance has been then danced it by the, the Sufi and danced it by the, such a Dajjal Mama and Papa. Hmm? And there's a, so many ways they danced it with that God's there for you. No matter what kind of miserable place you are, with a sense of humor and smile hmm? coming at you. So that's, a, so that's why no one takes such a sense of joy in you and I. Because even the rough time, it's not an easy time. I don't think life is for the easiness. Life is sometimes hmm, not much answer. But the, the God's attending love is amazing. The blind man Bartimaeus was frustrated with the, his blindness. There's nothing he can do about it. And now he heard in this you know, stomping ground, the Jericho, that whole cloud, the people crowded at one and one by one, competitively gathered and trying to look at this Jesus and his disciples. Blind man, that this is the last bit of chance, so that he ran into, hmm, in between the crowd, and probably still he couldn't come closer. Oh, the, you know, the all dignitary and all group were in front. So he was very, very much in the edge. But... This is his chance. So he cried it out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And of course, uh, the, some the villagers say, Get out of here. Don't make noisy. You're not count. Go where you belong. But even though that Jesus and his disciples were very aimed in march, yet he stopped. He stopped and going into the front of the Bartimaeus, blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Hmm? Julie, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, such a way that Jesus stopped. God stopped. The God stopped. Whole world stopped on this blind man Bartimaeus. 
You know, in this 40 days journey, compared to Moses, Eliza's journey is from Mount Carmel to Mount Horeb. That 40 days journey, of course, uh, Moses is in already the top of the, you know, that mountain Sinai and waiting the command, commandment from the God and waited it 40 days, right? 40 days journey compared to Eliza and Moses. Moses is a more high class. Eliza is a low class. <laughs> the experience, divine experience for Moses, that's a, such an amazing, glorious thing. So that's why he take off his shoes and you see, he moved it in. Into, but Eliza, that's a horrible. There's enough tear, enough, enough, hmm? enough. That's a life was a ton of parts. Eliza was not a novel prophet. Eliza is not just simply the surrounded with the simple protection. Eliza was a really hit the bottom, mm. hit the bottom. But the God was not much different. The divine presence to Moses or divine presence of Eliza, not much difference. I think the Old Testament is really talking, point, pointing the very important truth here. That God's presence, numinose, in Heine Art, you know, that his uh, approach, Rudolf Art, that his approach on Numinosa is total, that illumining, that illumining. Well, illumination, hopefully that within that, you know, that under the broom tree, when angelic presence come, I hope that Eliza had uh, at least some kind of a the position that he can get illumined, illumined, but it's not. It was a very still struggle, struggle. Maybe uh, like oh, Jacob, he just uh, lost it one, hmm? one lack of the power. Maybe he crippled. Did he? I don't know how he come to the point of the whole place. This was a very wonderful gift that on the way of the Santiago de Compostela, one of the, the, probably this was about my 19th day, that one of the villages to the top of the mountain, the, all of the hill, and over the hill, there is a like kind of natural way somebody put in the labyrinth. So I stopped. And then I start to going into this role. This actually, in many ways of Christian tradition, is a cave. This is a cave. So today's a poor sojourner's prayers. Oh. What peaceful white clouds float in the sky of my life. That's a bird song. Hmm? The bird, as a poor sojourner, that I am seeing white cloud now. So, King 
19, verse 8 says, So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the Mount of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So we can spend the whole year about lecturing this cave or meditating about cave all year long. You're lucky you're just spending on it today alone. <laughs> the trip that was before Elijah is about 200 miles from where he was resting. That's a calculated in geography. So what do you see here? Got up and ate and drank. The food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai and come to the mountain of God. So Mount Sinai is a Mount Horeb, right? The same name. And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. The cave, in a Chinese view, the cave as a feminine in, in and yang, you know, that, that Majuri introduced to, to us, the in. And then where the opposite is the mountain, or the masculine yang. So mountain is yang, the cave is in. Of course, it is together, right? The cave exists within the mountains and the vice versa reflecting their interdependence. It has also become a major symbol with the activities surrounding it, serving as metaphors for change. So the cave is the center place for the change. So the cave become a very transforming, transformation ground. The cave become a very powerful birthing place. The cave is a so many ways played it in role. Joseph Campbell, that uh, mythology that mentioned it many times, of course, Plato's uh, that the, in the philosophical interpretation of a cave uh, that is more far in like a illusory thought, illusory worldview, then you are still under the cave, right? The cave become major theme in the Western philosophy too. But in Eastern religious teaching, the mandala usually symbolize a cave. So then a Buddhist mandala, then most of them is really that center around the cave. So that means that inner life journey, inner journey, that's the kind of symbol of the cave. Cave is not simply outer look, but it's some way your interior, you know, that moving into. So that's why labyrinth in a Christian tradition is, can be very remarkable, you know, that the symbol of cave. <clears throat> the 
In modern time, painful occurrence has been referred to as a dark night of soul, during which individual comes to know themselves by confronting fears and shadow natures. We talked about that. So then, cave is uh, really some way that very interrelated with dark night of soul. The cave, Joseph Campbell or Jung, Carl Jung, Gustav Jung, always describes underworld. Underworld is more shadow world. It's more like a, a top of the eyes, but the bottom is more like a subconsciousness. That's a cave. The quest will illustrate the process of transformation and transcendence. See, that is a, some way transformation is a transcendence. Transcendence. So when you say, I am born again Christian, when you still stick with your ego, then you are not. When you say, I am born again Christian, I am kind of a rebirth, and then you say, me, 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 then you are not, you are not there yet. Because that transformation means you transcendence of your own self. Transcendence of your ego. You're no longer in monkey mind. You are free from monkey mind. Hmm? That's very important. So the transformation in some way this is a transcendence. This is together. It goes together. With your soul? Have you hit bottom and found yourself shoulder to shoulder with divine presence? What caves have given you respite as you are on the way with the divine? What I so appreciate about Hisu's reflection on Elijah is there is no fear of the wisdom of the East. There's no suspicion of nature images like the cave and the mountain. No fear of feminine energy or masculine energy or the flow among the energies. The cave becomes a womb where we are nurtured, intimately cared for and known. And it's a place of tremendous change. We do not emerge from the cave the same way we went in. What a great metaphor for the spiritual life. Because whether we move through a labyrinth or walk the Camino or color in a mandala, the inner life is inviting us to go deeper and to stay a while, to let ourselves be nurtured. And because we are nurtured by the divine, we are ultimately transformed. Share this podcast with others. May it be a nudge, a guide, an honoring of intuitions you've long held, and a means for justice in your lives and in the lives of all 